turn your Bibles to John chapter 16 within God's Word this morning. John chapter 16, we'll point out the verse in a moment. If you need a study guide and you'd like to take notes, you'd like to fill in the blanks uh, this morning according to my message outline, just lift up your hand and they'll make sure they get one uh, to you. Amen. A husband and wife raced to the dentist's office. How many love going to the dentist? If you need a dentist, let me know. I've got one that puts scripture verses on the ceiling so that when you lean back, he has the scripture verse from the book of Psalms. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. <laughs> I'm not making that up. Yeah. This husband and wife went to the dentist. They were in a rush. They were in a hurry. And the wife got a hold of the dentist and said, we're in a hurry. We don't have any time to waste. We've got a tooth that needs to be pulled out. Uh, we don't have time for Novocaine. We don't have time for pain medication. We don't have time to be gassed. We just want the tooth pulled out now. And, and the dentist looked at the wife and said, My, 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 you're a brave woman. Show me what tooth it is. And she pulled her husband over and said, Honey, open your mouth. Show him what tooth it is. <laughs> Trouble. Trouble. Trouble comes in all sizes, shapes, forms. Trouble... And it's said that it's a short trip to find trouble. Trouble comes in things. It comes in circumstances. And most notoriously, trouble comes in people. I submit to you this morning that people trouble is the worst trouble of all. If there's any recurring theme, any recurring principle that we see throughout the Bible from cover to cover, it's this. It's not what happens to us that matters. It's how we respond to it. It's not what happens to us that's important. It's how you react to it. That's an abiding principle that we see throughout the word, word of God. No one is exempt from trouble. There is no wall that's high enough. There's no door that's strong enough to keep trouble out of your life. If you're in the midst of trouble right now, congratulations, it just proves you're a card-carrying member of the human race. Trouble. It's not a matter of if, but when. And again, it's not important in the scheme of eternity. It's not important in the scheme even of your family. How or when trouble comes. But it is important. Because eyes are watching you. And they're watching me. How are you going to respond to trouble? How you respond to difficulties in life 
will end up being your legacy. It'll end up being your epitaph on life. How do people perceive you? What message is your life sending right now to your family and friends? What kind of a legacy are you leaving behind as you grapple with obstacles, hindrances, trouble? Because face it, there's very little in this life that we can change or control. Can't control the weather, can't control the economy, can't control traffic tomorrow morning in rush hour. Conversely, we have very, very little control over our health in many ways. We have little control over hurting people and even and how our children are going to ultimately decide which will be the pathway their life will take. But there's one thing that you do have control over. How you're going to react. How you're going to respond to life's difficulties, life's challenges, trouble. Jesus, at the Last Supper, the first communion meal that we enjoyed just moments ago, Jesus, at the Last tr Supper, talked about trouble that was about to hit him. The disciples were getting nervous. They were getting stressed out. They were getting fretful and afraid. And Jesus said in verse 33 of John 16, I have told you all of this so that you'll have peace of heart and mind. Here on earth, you will have a few, some, Many trials and sorrows, but cheer up. I need you to circle those two words, cheer up. Is Jesus asking or commanding? Cheer up, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? Your family and friends. What kind of legacy... Especially, is God going to see in your life that will go before you into heaven? This morning, we continue with our message series called Legacy. As this morning, we tell you, we show you, I exemplify to you how to leave a legacy of victory. A victory. A legacy of victory. Follow along with me this morning if you would like to fill in the blanks. If you leave, you leave a legacy of victory when you choose to live with an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. Like I said, it's a short trip to find trouble. And when trouble comes, people frequently blame their, their negative complaining down in the mouth nothing good ever comes my 
way the unlucky star that they were born under. They blamed their parents. They blamed their environment. They blamed their upbringing. You know, blaming your parents might be good freshman psychology, but it's lousy Bible theology. What's at fault? Not your parents, but your lousy, down-in-the-mouth, Debbie Downer attitude. Your troubles, your negativity to them is your choice. Your choice. Your choice to leave as your legacy. Paul said in Philippians 2.14, Do all things without complaining or arguing. You can mark it down in your mental notepad. Complainers, complainers, complainers are on God's judgment list. We complain about the kind of houses that we have to live in while three million Americans will sleep tonight in a cardboard box. We complain about uh, all the things that we don't have and 10,000 children in, during this sermon will die of starvation around the world. When Israel complained, what did God do? When Israel complained towards God about what they were eating, what kind of creature did God send at them to bite them? Tell me. Snakes. Snakes. If God did that today, most churches would be reptile houses. But preacher, what do I have to be thankful for? What do I have to be thankful for? It's often said that we count our blessings on our fingers and we enumerate our problems on our calculators. What do I have to be thankful for? Listen, if you woke up this morning with a beating heart, with lungs full of oxygen and air, and your name wasn't in the obituary column, you can start this Sunday, this week with Thanksgiving. It's going to be a great day. I remember coming into my grandpa's kitchen as a kid. Isn't it interesting the things that stick in your memory? I'm going back 55 years ago and I can remember in my, my grandpa's kitchen he had a wooden sign that said this and I was always always intrigued by it. I complained because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. You saw it too. Thanksgiving Thanksgiving, write it down. It's the key to releasing God's miraculous power in your life. What was it that kept Israel out of promised land living? What was it that kept God's people from God's best for their lives? What was it? Was it idolatry? Because they were guilty of worshiping the golden calf. Was it sexual sin? Because they performed that around the golden calf. What was it that kept God's people from God's best for their lives? What? Complaining. Ingratitude. That's why Thanksgiving. You want God's best for your life? You walk with an attitude of Thanksgiving. Leave a legacy of Thanksgiving. <laughs> the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead of pray about everything, tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, 
which exceeds anything we can understand. Mark 11.24 is the corollary. Therefore I say to you, whatever things that you ask when you pray, you need a miracle. Believe that you receive them. Have the posture, have the attitude that you're already receiving. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. The greatest way to express, the greatest way to show and demonstrate that you're already receiving what you're believing is to give him thanksgiving. Begin your prayer with thanksgiving. Saturate your prayer with thanksgiving. End your prayer time and praise time with thanksgiving. When did God's people, when did God's people shout their thanksgiving at Jericho before or after the walls came down? When did Jesus utter thanksgiving uh, before or after he multiplied the loaves and fishes and fed thousands of people with a little boy's lunch before or after when did jesus uh, voice thanksgiving to his father before or after he raised lazarus from the dead when did paul and silas when they were beaten and tortured and, and imprisoned in that innermost philippian dungeon when did they utter praise and thanksgiving before or after god supernaturally released them Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> before, before, before. Why Thanksgiving in advance? Does God need buttering up? No, your faith needs building up. Thanksgiving keeps you father focused. Just as long as there is complaining or, or, and a lot of us are guilty of this, Passive ingratitude, the neglect to be thankful, forgetting to be thankful. Just as long as there's ingratitude in your life, just that long, you will be problem-focused instead of father-focused. When I begin my prayer time, when I saturate my prayer time with being thankful for what the Lord has done, thankful for what He is doing, thankful for who He is, and thankful for what He will do, when I saturate my prayer and praise time with that kind of thanksgiving, God can't help but release the miraculous in our lives. In our lives. Thanksgiving, it is the key. It exemplifies receiving as I'm believing. Lord, 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 I've been having a voice problem. Lord, the symptoms are hoarseness. The doctors don't know if it's acid reflux or allergy. Lord, uh, you know. And I thank you that you're healing me. I thank you that you're touching me. I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed and made whole. Lord, it's a done deal. Jesus said it is finished from the cross. It cannot be otherwise. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that I am healed. When you start praying like that, as your pastor's been praying that way about his voice, you begin to know that you know that you know, hallelujah, that somehow, some way, your Lord, your God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. 
Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In some things give thanks. In everything give Find something to be thankful for. Amen. Find something to be thankful for. I want my children to remember me as being Mr. Positive. Dad always found something to be thankful for. Something to give God thanks for. Something to be grateful for. I want to leave a legacy of thanksgiving. This is not only the key to the miraculous, but Paul ends up this verse by saying, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, in bad times and good times, what are we going to do? We're going to give thanks. In reversal, we're going to give thanks. In financial difficulty, we're going to give thanks. When the doctor's diagnosis is contrary and shocking to what we expected, we're going to give thanks. In poverty or prosperity, we're going to give thanks. Hallelujah. I'm not going to wait for the circumstances to change. I'm not going to wait for the situation to improve before moving into an attitude of gratitude. No, that's backwards. Uh, no, I'm going to thank the Lord for what he's done, what he is doing, and what he will do for his honor and glory's sake. A spirit which remains thankful despite what life throws at them is a legacy of victory. It's more precious than diamonds or gold left to your children's children, left to your world for the glory of God. Secondly, this morning, you leave a legacy of victory when you're determined to be joyful and not let life's troubles make you bitter, but better. Bitter, but better. What, or should I say, who, is a joy stealer in your life? Is it, that, is it the car that just keeps breaking down constantly? Is it the wash machine that just keeps making noise and you keep reminding hubby to buy a new one? That's why I'm waiting for Columbus Day. I'm out shopping right now. What is stealing your joy? Things, things steal our joy. Circumstances like unemployment. All of a sudden, tomorrow morning you go in and the boss says, don't bother taking off your coat. Your services are no longer needed. Things steal our joy. Circumstances steal our joy. But again, the most notorious, notorious joy stealers, the most hurtful are people who reject us, deceive us, betray us. When was the last time that you got betrayed, you felt betrayed by a salesperson? Joy stealer. Talk to my mom and dad. I've preached to you about refrigerators one through six. Then I preached to you about the seventh, which was supposed to be the perfect number. 
and they had to send that one back to number eight refrigerators on its way. I might not be able to tell you where to shop, but I can tell you where not to shop. Uh, I, hired, I hired a roofer to do my roof, and part of the deal was uh, uh, to restore and rebuild the, the dampener on my chimney so that when I pull the chain down below in the fireplace, it seals the, the chimney. And uh, uh, I, I, I paid him uh, some money up front to get the job going. And then uh, at the end, uh, I said, everything is, is done. I walked the roof. Everything looked good on the roof. Uh, I was, I'm an old roofer, so I knew what to look for. And, and uh, so I paid him off. And uh, he, he got in his car and drove away. And I thought to myself, you know, I know it's taken care of, but I'd just go in and, you know, try that. Yeah, pull the chain in the fireplace. I pulled the chain in, in the fireplace. The whole thing came flying down to the chimney. Everything. Chain, dampener, everything. I have been trying to call him, text him, contact him for over a month. He's disappeared from the planet. Joy stealers. Joy stealers. Yeah. Some Christians because of the things, the circumstances, the joy stealers of life, they think that the only time that, and place uh, uh, and environment that will only have real joy is when we get to heaven one day and we cross over that Jordan and we're in that land so fair. The final frontier, heaven. Listen, that is completely contrary to the teaching of Holy Scripture. You can experience real joy in the here and now as well as the hereafter. Jesus said this in John 15. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus brought joy wherever he went and he's still doing it today. If you walk in Jesus' joy, my Bible says that you're going to walk in health, the Lord's health. Proverbs 17, a merry heart does good like medicine. Oh, scientists have caught up with what God's Word said eons ago. They have discovered that joy, happiness, releases endorphins in your brain and gives you a sense of complete contentment that only joy can bring. Yes, real joy, did you know, will make you more attractive to people. Let me save you some money on makeup. Let's save you some money on, on your fashion attire. Do you know that real joy will make you more attractive to people? Huh? Huh? Proof in point. Why do you think the choir is so big? Huh? Why do you think our choir is so large in comparison to the rest of the church? You know, we, we, we have a, a choir size uh, that churches of 2,000 usually have. What, what do you think it draws, you know, oh yeah, people like to sing, people like to minister, people like to uh, get together and care, share, and pray with them. Can I submit to you that one of the reasons the leadership is constantly bubbly with joy and people are attracted to that? Huh? Huh? 
Now, I'm not trying to butter anybody's bread, but that's a living example for you. That's right. People will be attracted to you. Who wants to hang around with Debbie Downer? Huh? Who wants to hang around with somebody that looks like a donkey eating green tomatoes? I mean, sour. Down in the mouth. My, my, my. No. We're attracted to people that are upbeat, positive, filled with joy, especially Jesus' joy. That's right. Even God is attracted to his children that are full of joy. You got Bible for that, Pastor? Isaiah said, uh, you meet him who is what? Joyful. I don't know about you, but I want God to go to work with me tomorrow morning. Amen. And throughout the week, uh, he's attracted to those that walk in joy. Joy is the most infallible, unmistakable, powerful expression and manifestation in your life that Jesus lives in you. That Jesus walks with you. Real joy is God confidence. Real joy is not some naive, silly uh, giddiness where you're laughing all the time. Real joy is a God confidence that knows that you know that you know God's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. Real joy is knowing that your God, your Lord, uh, is like Coca-Cola. He's the real thing. Uh, that he's like Hallmark. Uh, uh, he cared enough to send the very best. That he's like Tide detergent. He gets the stains out that others leave behind. Uh, real joy is knowing that your God is like General Electric. He brings good things to life. Uh, real joy is knowing that your Lord is like all state insurance you're in good hands with him uh, real joy is knowing that your lord is like bounty uh, he's the quicker picker upper he can handle the tough jobs and he won't fall apart on you and real joy is like hallelujah our jesus who's like dial soap aren't you glad you have him don't you wish everybody else did I'm talking about Jesus' joy, real joy, knowing that your God, hallelujah, will never let you down, and he continues to somehow, someway, make a way where there seems to be no way in your life and my life. Perhaps I've told you before about the two dear old ladies that went on a missions trip from one of our churches. This is not made up. This is not fiction. This is not some Google joke or story. My uh, dear friend, Charlie Golden, that I graduated from college with, is a professor of Hebrew down at Southeastern uh, University Assemblies of God. And he shared this true account with me of uh, two ladies that went on a missions trip to Mexico. And they fell in love with a little pooch, little doggy there in Mexico. It was forsaken, it was lost, and, and it was weak and sickly, and uh, they took it back here to the States, nursed it, uh, kept trying to nurse it to health, they bathed it, they cared for it, they uh, fed, fed it, uh, they even had uh, this little 
uh, doggy pooch in their individual beds. Uh, they loved this little doggy, but it just could not get better. They took it to the vet, and the vet, in a very, very serious tone, sat down with these two uh, old gals and said, Dear ladies, you did not bring back a dog from Mexico, but you brought back a large, diseased, rabies-infested river rat. Now I heard it. The tape recorder heard it as well. The video heard it. Oh! Yet how many, how many, how many of you are still holding on? You're clinging to, you're eating and drinking and sleeping with things from your past that you're ashamed of, failures that you don't want to think about, yet you eat it, drink it, and sleep it on a consistent basis. You're joyless because you just keep hanging on to past failures. And God's word to you this morning is a profound, deep, biblical, theological, revelatory word. Thus saith the Lord. Let go of it. Let go of it. Let go of your river rat past failings. Let go of it. Did you fail at the job? Did you fail in grades at school? Did you really blow it in college or high school? Let go of it. Did somebody betray you? Did somebody break your heart? Did someone reject you? Let go of it. Did you really mess up and fall into sin and you can't imagine what you did? And you've been beating yourself up over it. You can't sleep at night. You eat it. You drink it each and every day. And even after repenting, embrace His grace, His amazing grace, and let go of it. Stop parking by yesterday's failure. Stop looking at where you've been and start looking at where you can be in Christ Jesus. Paul said in Philippians, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. <laughs> I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you want to continually, write it down, experience Jesus' joy, consistently shake off people hurts. Shake off people hurts. For the, forgive them and give them over to God. If you've been lied about, if you've been falsely accused, if you've been rejected, if you've been betrayed, let go of it. Give it over to God. My Bible says this, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. If your enemy is hungry, give him to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him to drink. In so doing, you pour coals of fire upon their head. Give it to God. Let go of it. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. That's why the most healthy thing for you to do, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, the most healthy thing for you to do is to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't whitewash what they did. 
Forgiveness does not condone the injustice they foisted upon your life. Forgiveness does not, does not, hear me in this. Forgiveness is not for the victimizer. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness heals you. Forgiveness sets you free to walk in Jesus' joy. Hallelujah. Don't let them steal your joy. Forgive them. Let go of it. And watch what God can do. John 16, Let's look at it again. In this world you'll have trouble, but cheer up. Can you say those two words with me real loud? Cheer up. Okay, again. Say it like a preacher. Hallelujah. Amen. Is Jesus asking us? Is he requesting? Is he suggesting? What is he doing? He's letting us know you can count on it. You can count on it. You're going to have trouble. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And your response is important. Cheer up. Because he's already won the battle. Amen. You might not be able to change your circumstances or the hurting people around you, but you can choose to be joyful. Are you dealing with a, a job loss? Cheer up. Hallelujah. He's Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. Have you failed? Cheer up. Jesus will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Lo, he's with you always. Have you been criticized? Have you been rejected and hurt? Cheer up. <laughs> Jesus is your champion. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Are you facing sickness? Cheer up. Hallelujah. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid upon him. He was wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes, we are healed. Have you lost a loved one? There's a normal time of grief. There's a normal season of mourning. But if that grief and mourning lasts into its 10th year, I'm telling you, that is not of God. That is not of God. You need to know that you know that you know that you can cheer up and recognize that your Christian loved one, hallelujah, has not only gone to a better place, but it's not goodbye, but I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. This is the hope. This is the peace. This is the joy that we walk and live in. You see, write it down. Jesus' joy is a choice. Real joy, it's not emotional matter. It's the result of a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Real joy is not dependent on your feelings. Real joy is dependent upon who your God is. Last I heard, he hasn't let us down. Last I heard, he's not faint. He's not feeble. He, he's not hard of hearing. He's not old or senile. Hallelujah. But he's the mighty God, the transcendent Father, Lord of lords, and King of kings. Real joy. Real joy is not the consequence of emotion 
or feelings, but a faith that remains unmovable like a rock. And uh, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be confident in you. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to persevere with you uh, until the end. And Lord, I might not get my miracle. I might not get my healing. But I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep believing. Because I want to leave a legacy of faith. I want to leave a legacy of victory to my children. I want to walk into heaven's throne room and receive the applause of God. You receive the applause of God in heaven, not because you received a miracle, not because you received a healing. You will receive heaven's adulation and applause because you kept trusting God to the very end. That's a legacy of victory and a legacy of joy. Would you give him praise and glory? Hallelujah. Amen. We rejoice by choice. Tomorrow morning, I want you to get up. If you've been struggling in this area, I want you to get up tomorrow morning, and I don't want to hear you say, Good Lord, it's morning. No, I want you to get up and say, Good morning, Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Look out, weak. Here I come. Your joy, it's a choice. Lastly, when you confront your giants in God confidence, confessing God's promises, you're demonstrating a legacy of victory. I, it must have been late at night. I see two problems there. Uh, my my, my uh, English major is coming out here. Your, uh, that should have been a contraction. There you are, contraction, your. And there's no blank there either. So I want you to circle God confidence. Circle that and circle God's promises. Would you do that for me? That's important. Jesus said this in Mark 11, have faith in Man, doctors, experts, specialists, the U.S. economy, <laughs> your job, Wall Street, have faith in who? God. G truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, what's your mountain this morning? What right now, if I was to interview you and ask you, what is your greatest prayer wish? What is your greatest prayer desire? What is the greatest mountain in your life? I'm not looking for a beauty contest, you know, answer like, oh, pastor, world peace. No, I'm talking about you. Your situation, your marriage, your family. What is your greatest prayer request? What's your greatest mountain? Jesus said, if anyone says, circle the word says, says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they will say, circle the word say, 
will happen. It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Do an analysis of this powerful, miracle, mountain-moving teaching, you will find that Jesus speaks more about speaking to your mountain than he does about praying about your mountain. That's important to note. Do you have a mountain-sized problem? Imagine dealing with a mountain of a man. Imagine confronting and countering a mountain of a man when the young little shepherd boy, David, confronted Goliath a walking, talking mountain of a man, more than nine feet tall, armored, an armored tank of a man, trained in Green Beret, uh, Navy SEAL, Army Ranger warfare. Uh, what did little shepherd boy David do? Let's pull back. What's your mountain? Is it your finances, your health, your marriage? Or maybe it's your children's marriage. Your giant doesn't strut in an ancient valley, but he stalks your home, your office, your school. He gives you bills you can't pay. He gives you uh, uh, grades that, that you can't make. He, he, he gives you dreams uh, uh, that, that, that you can't fulfill people that you can't please. He gives you medical test reports that seem spawn in the laboratories of hell. Sometimes he torments uh, with booze that can't be resisted, pornography that cannot be re refused. He gives you a past that you can't shake and a future uh, that you can't face. I'm talking about the roar of Goliath in your life. Our confession of words whether positive or negative, has power. That's a drum that I have beaten for years. Jesus said, Matthew 12, 37, for by your words you will be justified. By your words you will be what? Condemned. Your words have power. It's amazing the power that words have just in the natural. I'm not talking about the spiritual. I'll get there, but I'm just talking about the, the power of words in the natural. A year ago, I started experiencing terrible, terrible pain in my shoulder. And, and uh, I, I could only get my shoulder up this high. And I went through a whole course of physical therapy. They said, we sense uh, we, we can do all that we, we've done all that we can do for you and after uh, 16 weeks we've done all that we can do you need to go to an orthopedic specialist I'm suspecting that you have shoulder spurs and maybe even worse I went to the orthopedic specialist he looked me over and uh, he said I'm suspecting that you not only have spurs but that you have a torn rotator cup you need an MRI. I went and got an MRI and then sat down with the doctor to get the bad news. Sat down with the doctor and he said, I've analyzed the MRI uh, report. And I sat there just kind of nursing my shoulder. I mean, the pain. Uh, and thinking about 
Oh man, here it comes. Um, you know, uh, you know, such great faith here. I, I thought, oh my, six months in a sling and I'm trying to hold a microphone and my arm in a sling and preach like an Italian with the other arm, you know. I mean, how am I going to do this? Uh, I, and here it comes, here it comes. The doctor looked at me, I, he says, I've analyzed the MRI report frontwards and backwards. We can't find any shoulder spurs. We can't find any torn rotator cup. You're just fine. You, know, you might have a little arthritis, but you're just fine. I walked out in the parking lot, and I'm just doing this. Oh, it's all gone. Okay, hallelujah. Amen. I, I can even play volleyball with the young bucks now. Yeah, I mean, I, I just felt just that word from the doctor. That's my point. If just a word from a doctor in the natural can change the, the feeling of a shoulder and completely remove the pain because of a word, a word, no medicines, no shot, uh, no cortisone, nothing, just a word. Can you imagine what a word from the Lord can do? Can you imagine what the promises of God can do? Can you imagine a word that said, let there be light, and there was light? Our confession of words, whether positive or negative, has, has power when you speak to your mountain, when you speak to your giants. You're not going to use your words. Uh, you're going to use his words. You're going to confess the promises of God. That's the kind of legacy that your children are looking for you to leave. They, they want to say, hey, you know, dad, uh, mom, they stood upon the promises of God. They not only believed the promises of God, they quoted them. Every time a problem came, every time a trouble came, they just confessed the promises of God. What's your Goliath this morning? Speak God's word to it in the name of Jesus. If you have a financial giant, confess the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. You have a giant of sickness and disease, infirmity and malady strutting your way. Run to the roar of that giant and confess his word, by his stripes, I am healed. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Are you dealing with a giant of loneliness? Then declare, he said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Lo, Jesus will be with me always, even to the end of time. Are you dealing with a giant of depression? Then take your stand. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In this world, we will have tribulation. But I'm going to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Or maybe you're facing a giant that is named I can't. I can't get a job. I can't get out of this financial mess. I can't have a good marriage. I can't be free from this disease. I can't see my children get saved and born again. But with our God, who cannot and will not fail us, you can confess, I can get a job. I can have victory in my finances. I can have restoration in my marriage. I can walk in renewed health. I can live in faith and victory. Run to this giant with ten faith-filled words and say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. So Goliath, hallelujah.
Goliath came strutting and he came defying the God of Israel. Not just defying him, but blaspheming him and cursing little boy David. And what did David do? Uh, David confessed the greatness of his God. And he ran to the roar of giant Goliath. And as he was running, the Bible says he was declaring. He said, uh, I come to you this day in the name of the Lord. That all of Israel will know that the battle is the Lord's. And that he is God. God and his uh, is the battle and the victory. He confessed the promises of God and then he did what he could do. You're going to do what you can do, but doing it, confessing the promises of God. And the Lord directed that stone and it hit between the eyes of old Goliath, fell flat on his face, and David won the victory. This morning, this morning, are you dreading another week of giants? Perhaps you're gripped by discouragement, depression, and despair. God's got a word for you. Stand to your feet. Monday morning's coming quick. Monday morning's coming soon. Monday morning. It's on the heels of Sunday's victory. How do we bring Sunday's victory into Monday morning and the rest of the week? Here it is. If you're gripped by discouragement, despair, and depression with the thought of facing your giants, stop it. Stop whining how, about how big your giants are and stop telling God how big they are and start telling your giants how big your God is hallelujah our Lord is greater than any of your burdens he's greater than any of your mountains your our Lord is greater than any of your giant Goliaths the greatest days of your life are still ahead of you I can say that unequivocally the best is yet to come so what kind of message is your life sending? What kind of message is your life impacting our world with? Despite life's troubles, if it's one of thanksgiving, joy, and God-confident confession, I want you to know that you're leaving a legacy, a legacy of victory. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day, this hour, this moment around your communion table and around your holy word. Lord, you're raising up an army here at Lakeside. Men and women of God who are lifting their hands higher in thanksgiving than ever before. Lord, filled with Jesus' joy, confessing your promises, the promises of God. This morning as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How many are here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm facing a giant. I'm facing a giant. I'm confronting a giant. Would you lift up your hand high? If you're not facing a giant, if you don't need a miracle, then keep your hand down. This is all about prompting and exercising your faith. Lift it up high. Yes, 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 yes. So many. Yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Yes. 
Why praise the Lord, Pastor? Because this giant is an opportunity for you to see your God as a giant killer. This is an opportunity for you to leave a legacy of victory for not just your children and grandchildren to witness, but for all of heaven to witness. Hallelujah. As we sing this song right now, I want you to come to the altar in the name of Jesus. Come to the altar right now in the name of Jesus. You raise your hand. Come to this altar right now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. There is no one else like you.